Welcome to another episode of Civic Cipher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. They call me Q Ward, but my name is Quentin. <laughs> but Quentin is, you know, not easy to say. People call me Quentin and Quincy. So I just go with Q. So when you hear Q Ward, it's not a stage name. It's my actual initial and last name. Yes, indeed. I just want the people to know that. All day. I wasn't and- trying to be cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, today we're back to talk to you, hopefully, about... Um, some some things that we can do to make the world a, a little bit better, safer, more equitable. You know, in true to form, we're going to have our conversations about things that are going on in the world. Um, as we typically do here on Civic Cipher. Um, but the uh, the thing is, today we have a special guest in the building with us. Um, this is somebody that I've really wanted to come up on the show for a long time and he's such a busy person um i've heard him speak a a handful of times enough times to make me wish i've heard him i was able to hear him speak more um and it just so happens to be the case that we both are on the naacp's political action committee um and so this is uh a person that's been it's been a long time coming being able to plug in with such a, a profound thinker and speaker um, and I'm sure there's a whole list of accolades. I would love to hear all about them. But uh, Patrick C. Brown is with us today. So welcome to the show. Yo, thanks for having me. Uh, I mean, you make me sound like, you know, I need to get a book deal. Or <laughs> you do. Like, a publicist or something. You know, I'm just, like, I, I like to keep things simple. I, always, I try and roll in silence. I try and, you know, expri- you know, speak my truth and, you know, get people to think about stuff. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is the place to have the types of conversations that we um, are going to have today. Um and so I appreciate you. And then a little later on in the show, uh, we're going to have to uh, talk a little bit about some of the voter suppression um, initiatives that have taken uh, center stage and, you know, the the legislature and, and so forth. And I think that you're perhaps a bit more familiar w- with the goings on in that arena than either me or Q. And so we would love to hear your thoughts on that and, uh, of course, educate folks on what we can do to empower ourselves and fight against those voter suppression initiatives. But first, order of business. Um, You know, big news this week is uh, the trial of uh, his name doesn't even deserve to be said, but I have to say it so you know who I'm talking about. His name is Derek Shaven. Chauvin, something like Chauvin, that. Chauvin, something like okay. that. Um, this is the uh, officer who has uh, been tri- uh, tried. He's being tried for murder, uh, right? And the person who was responsible for for um, snuffing the life of George Floyd out. Um, now, I'll be honest, you, you probably know a little bit more about what's going on with the trial queue. So how about you? Unfortunately. Talk, yeah. So so talk talk me through what, what's happened. So can we break down the charges? I know that's I think that that really sends the message home to like, you know, what 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 this man did. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And before we get to the specific charges, I want people to understand why I said unfortunately. OK, uh, because that might seem obvious. Right. It's a trial of a black man that was murdered. You know, maybe that's what people thought I meant. But unfortunately, because watching the trial causes you to relive and re-experience the trauma that all of us 
I think across the world collectively experienced last year when George Floyd was murdered and voluntary trauma is not really I don't really subscribe except because of what we do my, my professional responsibility means you have to one of us needs to be paying attention specifically to what's going on with this trial and I have to be honest I wish it was Ramses because Ramses is the hopeful optimistic side of this coin that we are and unfortunately the more progress we make the more we realize that we have so much further to go mm. and part of this trial for the murder of George Floyd uh, with officer Derek Chauvin and I'm not sure that I'm pronouncing his name correctly as you listen to the defense and you think that they were trying to prove the guilt of George Floyd instead of the innocence of their own client. And far too often in this country, that's the case. There's a black victim um, of violence by far too often a white officer and the defense spends most of their resources on shining the light on the worst parts of this victim's life in effort to justify and or sway emotionally the jury of quote unquote peers. Uh, so it's a hard trial to experience, to watch, to pay attention to because there's this lingering feeling of mistrust with me personally where I'm like justice won't be served here and I really don't like that that's how I feel but I've seen this movie a lot of times and I sit and wait for the post credit scene like a Marvel movie waiting for the <laughs> waiting for the, the the good part to happen or, or yeah. that that can't be it and far too often there is no post credit scene the movie goes off the credits roll is over another person that wasn't found guilty or even when found guilty right because even once a person is convicted they have to be sentenced the sentences are really light relatively speaking you know what i mean and and sometimes you know the state or the city or the the government can't even find just reason to press causes i mean to press to press charges even when we have video evidence i want to say something um you know there's a you know when when in ferguson um a few years ago there was this similar to what you said there was this almost this effort to make mike brown seemed like he was this thug gang member whatever as though that warrants his death um or that justifies the office the the fear that the officer experiences and these are supposed to be the brave and you know and so forth um and far too often especially coming from an environment like you know the one that i was born into again which is compton california um 
I'm able to recognize that, you know, people are, are, these are most of the time, they're just normal people. Um, and it's just very unfortunate to see that, you know, the, the defense is, well, let's, let's make the, uh, the, the person who can't say their piece, the, the person who's lost their life, um, look like they deserve to die, you know, or that, that, that the, 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 the murder was, was justified. And I think that further reinforces, um, this idea that black lives don't matter. Um, it, which has kind of been a part of the the conversations um, or really a part of the tapestry of this country um, since its inception. You know, we're just disposable and, you know, that's just kind of what happens. It's sad, but, you know, it probably deserved. And what's what's sickening about about this this trial and i mean we could we could we go down the list i mean i mean i'm not i'm not gonna ask anybody to pull out any ids but i think i'm probably maybe the older of the three of us here and i mean for me you know i i, I clearly remember the rodney king beating mm-hmm. and i mean i was i was what i was high school and watching that on tv and what's crazy about that is we were supposed to play in a basketball tournament in california mm-hmm. And that got canceled because of the L.A. riots. And so, you know, it was kind of, it's really interesting seeing just the, the different attitudes. You know, my, my, my Caucasian teammates were mad because our California trip was done. And why, you know, why always be like burning down California? We were supposed to go to Disneyland, but play ball and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> we were going to the forum, you know, it was pre-Staples Center and everything. But all of my black teammates and myself and our parents, we just had this look of like, you know this it's like it's like another day in america sure but we had we were hopeful because this stuff ha- has been happening since you know before any of us were here yeah. before our grandparents yeah before our grandparent grandparents but we were like we were hopeful because we got a video we're not making this up yeah, I remember we've that. got proof and then they all got off yeah you know now they did a federal trial and everything but ultimately they never they never really saw the punishment and what what really just what hurts my heart and angers me is the fact that it's a viable defense to play to all the racial racist white supremacist stereotypes about black men mm-hmm. and when you look at some of the stuff with the witnesses, because I, 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 I saw the, the video of the one the one guy that I, I believe he's the EMT uh, the brother and he was and they were playing like were you angry you know, where you know, you you know, you 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 called you know, um, I don't know, I don't know what the rules are for what I can you know about the language. So I'm gonna play, it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go generated, yeah, but yeah, please, okay. <laughs> but you know, you called him all these derogatory terms and sure. whatnot. And my whole thing is, if you're watching somebody die, you got to be a dead human being inside not to be angry. Sure, I That's mean, upsetting. I watched that video because I said, you know, I had I had to I watched it because I said I had to be a witness. Mm-hmm. A witness to this man's death, you know, and I was just angry. So I can only imagine being there live, seeing it happen. Yeah, and you, it's your present for right, and seeing yourself in that. Yeah, and 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 I think you know what, what I've tried to explain to I think you know white people, folks who are not. Less, are less likely to, be, to experience this type of violence is that you have to understand that when this happens for Freddie Gray, 
for you know you know uh, Oscar Grant for George Floyd we see that could easily be us the three of us sitting here could easily be that George person. Floyd easily and then you take it a step further I think of you know of you know the young kids like Tamir Rice mm-hmm. I've got an 11 year old son mm. and you know I I see, you know, Trayvon Martin, I see my son's eyes. I have two sons, you know. I I see, you know, Tamir Rice's eyes. And I think, you know, if my boys go down, just down to the end of the block to go play basketball, is somebody going to not see an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old? Are they going to see grown men? Yeah. And Grown black men specifically. Right, exactly. Grown black men and take their lives. Or put them in a position to where they have right. to justify their existence. Yeah. Or face death, you know, because some folks, they might not engage directly, but they'll call the police. Hey, I saw someone walking down the street. He looks like he doesn't belong here. And then the police show up. And history has shown us that oftentimes it's the police that escalate the situation. The police show up with the weapons. The police show up, you know, with the capacity to kill. And this is critical. Um, I'm you know, sorry. Let me, let me put yeah, this go point. ahead. Because you, you, you're, you're, you're on the right path with this. But let me throw this in here. Sure, please. The, the police are capable of not doing that because we see it happen when, when it, the, the, the individual black. is not black. Is not black. Yeah. Let's let's go, let's go to Wisconsin. Dude had a semi semi automatic weapon. Yeah. In a highly charged environment, lots of stuff. You know, you can say every indicator where a policeman should be on. You know, red alert. <laughs> Yet. They let him walk by, first of all. And then when there was, you know, somebody got shot or whatnot, they were able to control themselves. Yeah. I've witnessed, you know, especially when I go back to my, you know, my days when I used to go to clubs and, you know, when I lived that life and whatnot. Sure. I've witnessed white dudes say all sorts of stuff to cops under the influence, call mm-hmm. them everything but their name. And they can show self-control. Mm-hmm. But then... Officer, this is my house. I'm the I'm the homeowner. Well, I need to see some ID. Could you step out? Make sure you show your hands. Move slowly. And we're going to talk about that. I want yeah. you to keep keep that in mind. We're going to talk oh, about okay. that when we talk about. Um, so there was an incident that happened in I want to say it was Arkansas about how the interactions with police are. They tend to be very aggressive with when it comes to black males specifically, but black people, um, and then to a larger extent, all people of color. Um, I don't want to look past our Hispanic brothers and sisters in this moment because I do recognize that it happens to them as well. Yes. Um, but before we get there, and I do want to talk about that at length, um, you mentioned something, uh, and I thought that it was it was really important to mention this um, or to discuss this right now. There's this narrative that exists on the other side for people that say, well, this is one person that died at the hands of a police officer. Of course, there's some bad apples. There's some people that take it too far, but for the most part, the policing works. It keeps us safe, right? And I understand that in their reality, that is their truth, and we have to allow for that. You know, we have to challenge it, but we have to allow for it to exist in the first place, and so we want to establish that first. These people oftentimes will then take it a step further, which, you know, we will all agree is pretty flagrant on their part and they'll say well why aren't you as upset with 
what's going on in Chicago where people are murdered all the time or what about black on black crime that takes more black lives quote unquote than police violence and so forth and uh, I think that a lot of times people miss that what we're trying to do is reshape the narrative reshape the value of black life because of images were shown on television and the culture at large um and there's something and when you're talking about the uh the rodney king uh riots in los angeles which i was there for that um there's something that a lot of folks don't mention or they they, they don't really consider and that's that if there is a quote black on black cr crime that takes place black on black crime is not a real thing it's a myth. and any more than white on white crime it does it that doesn't exist you know that you 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 are around people that look like you for the most part your family members look like you and so you know what i mean most and, crimes in general are based on proximity right. not that's it. color that's it and you're and, not you're not going to go you're not going to go clear across town to rob somebody. <laughs> you, you're going to rob the person that's closest yeah, to you. Yeah, if you need, you know, yeah. you need convenience in, in, in those situations. But, you know, this narrative has been established and allowed to exist and grow and fester to where folks can kind of hide behind this and say, well, listen, I don't need to support Black Lives Matter. Of course, all lives matter and black people need to figure out what their values are before they come for our police we support our police this gaslighting again yeah. which again is a sensible thing when you don't know any better so i don't yeah, want to attack in a these vacuum people. right in a vacuum absent all the rest of the facts but the thing that i like to bring up in situations like that is that if there is a quote black on black crime that that happens um we demand justice we demand a trial usually the person is found if the police are doing their job the person goes to court as a day in court and if there's a conviction the person is put away um and all too often what we see with these police shootings is that they're a high profile so again shaping the national narrative one way or the other um and what is infinitely more important is that there is no justice. They're not even ever really on trial, as you mentioned in, in Los Angeles in 92. Sometimes they don't people. even bring charges. Yeah. I well, mean, it's rare. It's rare to even get to the stage. Many times sure. you know, we, we've got we've got incidents that happened in Maricopa County mm -hmm. that yeah. never saw the inside of courtroom. Yeah, I know. You know the Maricopa County you know, uh, attorney's office declined to even pursue any charges absolutely i mean and this and it's not even recently this has happened over years of police misconduct violence death things of that nature mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and so um you know what happens is well i'm just sticking with the example that we used earlier um in los angeles where there's video evidence of gross police misconduct uh, a blatant disregard for human life and i would challenge anybody listening to my voice to reimagine rodney king as a dog see all these police officers beating a dog how upset does that make you and does that make you more upset if it's a dog because then you need to search inside yourself if it's a dog do you demand or do you understand why there were riots because these pe police officers got off or now you know do you does it make sense because um i would i would bet that 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 is the truth and that's all we want 
is just when when it, these high profile cases happen. I'm gonna get to you, Q. When these high profile cases happen, where all the cameras are on, we're able to kind of contribute to the storyline of Black people in the, in America. That what we're doing is we're we're taking advantage of, or there's potentially an opportunity to say Black lives do matter. There is justice in the world. Our lives are worth something, and when they're taken from us needlessly and senselessly, um, that that there are consequences, and that's that's really it. So you can pay out and say, "Yeah, it was a wrongful death." You can do all that sort of stuff. No consequences, just um, justice. And this is why this this cry has been so loud. No, I'm so sorry. I had to get that off. Go no, ahead. no, I'm glad you, you got said. that off because that was important. It was actually what you said that woke up something in me sure it's here um before i move on i want to say this man's name Mm -hmm. donald williams okay was the gentleman that the defense attorney tried to paint as this angry black man okay right so that the jury and the people watching could lose sympathy for him yeah you see the cop was so uncomfortable at this guy screaming at him that he couldn't pay attention to the person that he was murdering at the time but the thing about the dog and the thing about even him and the trial in general that sparked something very, very personal for me. And I've not ever shared this outside of a very small circle. Um, my, my little brother, Vincent Berry, is here with us. Been in my life for 37, 30, 35 to 37 of my 39 years. Mm. One of the rare people who were in my life We were in each other's lives when our fathers passed And I've not shared this part of my story out loud before But when my father passed away After not being in my life for most of my life Him and my mom divorced when I was about three years old And that's why Vincent's father meant so much to me Because he took up some of that responsibility Along with you know William Reveille and John Reese. Um, I wept Like As aggressively as you can cry With as much emotion With as much Feeling for loss And my older brother came home And didn't understand why I was crying And when he found out He was angry Because my older brother Watched my mom be abused by my father and in his mind my father did not deserve for me to be hurt for me to weep for me to feel his absence so an effort to make me not feel that way my brother told me every bad thing that he could possibly think about my father and when you were talking about how people will respond if it was a dog And you were talking about the way that they criminalize and the way they want to make George Floyd look like he doesn't deserve justice. He does not deserve for you to feel sorry for him. He's not your martyr, as Candace Owens so proudly proclaimed on the Internet. You have to make him seem less worth, less worthy, rather. Of sympathy and justice And fair Sound minded people To think something wrong happened So let's paint the worst Possible picture of him Because the whole world is crying The whole world is angry and people are in the streets Oh my god We have to stop this 
We have to show these people that the man that was murdered must be less than that, less than a dog even. So he doesn't deserve your anger and your tears. There's um, uh, I, I'm going to get the quote wrong, but there's something that once upon a time Malcolm X said, um, and it had to do with, so I'm going to paraphrase, but it had to do with having to keep your composure as a black man um, while fighting for an equitable go at life in the United States of America. Because at the moment at which you lose your composure, um, you lose your support, your sympathy, you know, everything like that, empathy from other folks. And I think that it illuminates just how tricky it is to, to, to just have an even playing field no advantages nothing like that and that that's it's just so interesting how like why in the world were we born into this world it's such a weird thing isn't it anyway that's just me um uh if you're just tuning in to civic cypher i'm your host ramses ja they call me q warden that just so happens to be my name yes indeed uh special guest in the building today patrick c brown uh my a committee member from the NAACP Political Action Committee. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about um, some voter suppression initiatives uh, in just a minute. But first, to piggyback off of what we were talking about a bit earlier. Um, you know, I saw something this week and... Forget it. I wept too, man. I cry all the time. I'll be honest with you. I'm a human being and I feel stuff, you know? It just happens. I have a beating heart in my chest and I love my family. And if you're listening to my voice, as weird as it sounds, I love you too. I want you to do well. I want us all to do well. That's just how I look at the world. If you don't like it, sue me. But <laughs> I have a beating heart. I feel things. I've always been that way. You know this, Q. You have always been that way, sir. Yeah, man. Um, and I love loving. I do. I think it's the right way to be. Um, but unfortunately, the capacity to feel often catches up with me. And so the story I'm about to share, um, I won't be able to convey the experience, the emotion uh, the right way. Because I understand that if you're listening to my voice, you may not have the same context. The world may not look and feel the same way um, to you. But I do want to try to put you in my shoes um when i saw this video so as you mentioned earlier in the show q um we do have to make sure that we're engaging um uh using our social media and we have to make sure that we're following the news so that we know what to to discuss when we do our show um so this past week um uh, which by the way rest in peace nipsey hustle um it was the anniversary of his passing um as someone who was born in california uh that hit close to home so i have to say that compton california to be exact yes indeed um but uh you know uh love what he stood for he was a good guy i was able to meet him a few times shake his hand and hang out with him anyway saw a video this video was of uh i want to paint the picture for you and you'll feel free to check out um on our instagram or our facebook just search at civic cipher um you'll be able to see the video yourself but uh, what it is is it's a police camera, a dash camera, and there's a man standing next to a U-Haul truck, 
Um, the man is. Have you seen this? I saw it. Yeah, you saw. I, the saw, video? I saw it on Instagram. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. So um, it for me was heartbreaking. I'll explain why. So the man standing next to his his um, U-Haul truck. He was driving the truck. I guess he was trying to exit the freeway. This was in um, Arkansas. Yeah, looks like. So um, he's trying to exit the freeway. Um, he kind of misses the turn a little bit, does a little squiggle or swivel, swerve or something like that. It's a big truck. And the police see him. They get behind and pull him over. So he's on the kind of shoulder of the highway. And this is where the dash cam picks him. Now I'm going to talk you through this because it's important. The man is wearing dreads. <clears throat> and he's got a beard. He's an adult man standing there and the officer is talking to him an adult black man indeed um and you know there's another thing that happens where people say you know if you just do what the officer says you know blah 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 you know this sort of thing and i think that 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 further illuminates how remember you mentioned earlier patrick that um some people will be able to interact with the police and kind of push their tongue all the way out those people often tend to be less melanated that is true um and the police will just kind of keep their composure um but when this man in this video and pretty much every video i've ever seen um demands you know some dignity you know uh, the minimum a modicum of respect um it's seen as threatening it's seen as like uh, well that malcolm x uh quote that i paraphrased earlier that you know he's losing his composure and now all of a sudden the, the empathy and the sympathy flies out the window so anyway in this video um the officer's like hey man if you had anything to drink you, you on drugs anything like that and the guy's like no not at all he's like well you look a little nervous to me and he's like yeah i'm nervous of course <laughs> yes. i look a little nervous sir <laughs> and there's a police yeah. officer in front of me i'm Everybody in arkansas yeah i'm black I'm pulled over by police. Have you been watching the news for the past forever? 400 yeah. years? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so um, the officer takes exception to that. And you can see his temperature change in the video. And the officer says, um, well, listen, man, let me uh, search the vehicle. Um, you know, and the guy's like, listen, man, you, I, I don't give you permission. I don't give right. you consent. Which is so, his right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no reason, nothing that you've ascertain from this interaction would warrant you escalating it and going into the vehicle i have places to be i'm sure you have real f crime to fight you know if i swerved you know we can talk about that but anything else you know um you know unless you have a real reason you know and this is kind of the uh the energy that was in the video it wasn't anything like you know, no one was yelling raising a voice the the guy was very respectful but he was kind of standing his ground like no that's not fair which again anyone with a little less melanin would have been able to get that off no problem or it wouldn't have even come up in the interaction the police wouldn't have initiated it um so the officer says um well you know we can wait here until till i get the dogs out don't say anything you mm. don't say anything you we can wait here until we get the dogs out um actually i want to say it they'll get the dogs out and then they'll say the dog indicated that we smell narcotics and then they'll go in the truck anyway that's what they do that's been my experience 100 percent of the, the time the dog creates probable cause exactly even if the dog doesn't because there's nothing there but we'll tell that story in just a second mm. i want to this is my belief i don't i don't know that for sure but and, and, it's and, beyond and belief also, with and me understand that you know the courts have ruled several times over that a police officer may use deception to in to further their investigation sure. so you know 
I've been around police dogs. I've, you know, I've, I've seen them work. I don't know a damn thing about them. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what indicator or what clue or whatever it is. So the police officer is going to say, all right, the dog indicated that there's drugs in the car or sure. whatnot. And so now I have probable cause to do whatever they want. Right. Yeah. And what they're, and I, you know, and when you, when you kind of follow the line of thinking, it's like, now I want you to react. Mm-hmm. To now give me an excuse to then feel that I am unsafe, that now I can, you know, handcuff you, stack the charges, whatever comes next. And, and you know, to that video, and I, I think one thing for the folks who are listening to understand is that, you know, his, the, I'll, I'll go with my interpretation. My interpretation is that this officer wanted subservience and this man was being a man he what he i mean he, he wasn't getting outside of himself he wasn't getting you know hostile you talking funny to me boy exactly yeah. it was why are you pulling me over valid question then it's like we want to search up nah I, nah i don't want you guys to search my car and now it's i could I, like I, I can see the temperature changes as you where it's like okay so now you're gonna make me work and i'm gonna make you you're hurt yeah so with that in mind um, this is the part where it became very troubling to me. So um, the the man who with the dreadlocks, not the officer, pulls out his phone and he calls his father. It just so happens to be the case that his father is a circuit judge and um, and a practicing attorney. Sure, yeah, forgot about that. Um, so you can see him speaking to his father on the phone. He's holding the phone. It's not a video call, nothing like that. Um, the officer asks him to lean over the front of the police vehicle so, so they can check his person or whatever. Um, and, and the man is telling his father, okay, um, they're, they're leaning me over the, the hood of the car. They're patting me down. Um, and then the officer grabs his right arm and puts it behind his back. And he says, okay, they're, they're holding my right arm. And then when they grab his left arm, he loses it. Not he doesn't do anything crazy, but emotionally he loses it. He breaks. He yeah. breaks. Because loses it sounds yeah, like he, he went off. Yeah. He did not. He, he, he got emotional. Yes. Emotional. Thank you. Because that broke that's him emotionally. But he, he, I think he it was like kept, he, was cry, he was crying. Yes. Yeah, he was, it was tears. And yeah. yeah. And and what he said was, "They're arresting me, Daddy." And even now, saying that out loud, the way that our sons would say it to us, so not our grown selves, but our children would say it like that. Could you imagine? Adonaya, Grayson, Trey, they would say it to us like that. They're arresting me, Daddy. Daddy. With the full understanding that he's done nothing. And the fear being used against him. Just let us search you and we'll let you go. Even though you haven't done anything and we have no probable cause to search or arrest you. But we know you're afraid. We know you're uncomfortable and that you would rather just go. So just let us do what we want. Don't have any dignity. Don't even have any. Submit to us and we'll let you go. And in that space of understanding that he'd done nothing to deserve what was happening to him and that all of his fears and that nervousness they spoke of. Justified in that moment. He broke. 
I would, you know, I, and, and this is not strictly relevant, but I want to say it. <clears throat> I had to bury my father. So. I don't have anybody I could call. That means that I'm the person who gets that call. And I, it's inconceivable. They're arresting me, daddy. Weeping. Wailing. Grown son. Full beard. Dreadlocks. And, and then you can hear him on the phone saying, why would you arrest my son? He Think would about never. the terror. Because, yeah. I mean... We saw I'm going happen- to make an assumption that, you know, considering his father's background, he's well aware of, of exactly what could, of what could happen. And then, you know, I think, you know, we're all parents here. Yes. Imagine that your son is mm. in is, is in a situation and there is nothing you, you can, can do, do about listen. it. But listen, oh. that's that that's the thing. It's not it's not your home, you're you know, having dinner and you discover something happened to my child. Mm-hmm. But now you get to Real time. listen, yeah, you're listening as your child is live. in terror. So um Q and I have been doing this show um for some time. Real quick, I want to shout out uh Hot 983 in Tucson. Um, cause this we're, we're debuting in Tucson today, but, um, go Wildcats. <laughs> yeah. Go Wildcats. Bear down. He much, says. Love, much love to Tucson, um, as well. Uh, but, um, we've been doing the show for a while and we were able to share this story once upon a time. It sounds very similar to the story that I just shared. So I want to go through it briefly so that if you're listening to my voice, you understand that there's a little bit of context here and a personal experience that's that's almost identical yeah one of many experiences but uh, yeah specific this one, to this, this one, one yeah. is specific yes so um in short what happened was once upon a time q and i flew to miami to pick up a very nice porsche um q purchased a, por- a porsche for his his uh fiance and uh, we were going to drive it back on a road trip. The car was for the, the one that she wanted was in Florida. So we had to fly there to get it. We're driving back. Um, beautiful road trip. We're seeing all these states and having a good time. Um, car's brand new. We get into Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> and Q really wanted to get out of Mississippi. We were in Alabama first, Ooh. and then we went to Mississippi. So Florida, Georgia, <laughs> Alabama, Mississippi. In that order, yeah, you're, you're running was, like the gauntlet, yeah, man. <laughs> and it was night, and this was at the height of what we've been dealing with. Yeah, so, so we're seeing signs, flags, oh. yeah, the Confederate flags, all that stuff, um, and a lot of the Trump trucks and there, all that sort of stuff, and 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 not not like in a way to support Trump, but in a way to intimidate us. That's how it was really. That's yes. the way I remember it because I've seen Trump trucks in there in where I live in Arizona. Um, and it's just people were proud of Donald Trump, I guess. But these were specifically to intimidate, like they would be alongside like other signs and verbiage, and you know, uh, we we what did they say? Like we kill a rap music, something like that. Had to, had the word kill and rap music in the same sentence at, on a sign with a Donald Trump flag. It was like whoa. Not not to take this take this off another direction, Good. but what does it say that? 
a political candidate, a president's name, former president's name, can be used in that fashion. I mean, I as involved of, as I've been in politics, I cannot think of, you know, I don't remember somebody being able to say, like, you know, Reagan 1984 <laughs> and, you know, as, as a form to, like, you know, as, like, verbal, you know, punches. Yeah, that's crazy, man. You know, I mean, I, I, I love Barack Obama, but... Yeah, I don't have a sticker on my car. Yeah, or a flag on my yard. Yeah, I mean, I was, I got a T-shirt that I wear, you know, when I march at the MLK parade, and that's about the only time it gets out out the closet. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, um, we we're in Mississippi. We're almost out of there. We're almost into Louisiana. Um, Q's driving. It's three o'clock in the morning. It's dark, dark. Yeah. It's no street lights, dark. Yeah, we're moonlight. In, that's all. In the cutrecords.com. We was out there dark then those trees are real Some big. unsolved mysteries type yeah. of stuff oh yeah <laughs> the tree, and the trees are so tall the moonlight yeah, you can't come. see anything so what happens is um in arizona there's grooves in the in the road that'll wake you up if you're drifting one side or another um but in mississippi the grooves are actually the white line the line is the groove yes the grooves not are not on the side of the road like here they're in the they so divide you, the so lanes. You basically crossing over, and that's when you hit the groove. Yes. Yeah. So oh, if wow. so, if your tire touches it just a little bit, it'll make that loud noise. Um, and so that happened, and the police were able to hear it, and so they get behind us and they pull us over. Um, and you know, as you mentioned, like being able to only listen to what's happening. So what happens is the police come to the car, and they um, start talking to Q. He was driving at the time. The car has a paper license plate. It's a new Porsche. Um, and uh you know just interacting with q he says no sir i've never drank alcohol in my life never tried a drug never done a drug in, in my life my life and that's something that's true of me as well i've never me ramses has never also never tried a drug or never done out y'all live a healthier life than i have so <laughs> but, I, I, my you know, apologies. but the thing is to be able to say that um and mean it and mean it yeah. that's the truth you know so there was nothing beyond that. And of course, in talking to Q, you can tell, okay, this person is not intoxicated, he's not inebriated. There wasn't a huge swerve. It was just a about maybe a one second or a half of a second worth of a noise. And then we explained, well, you know, we're driving to Arizona. We didn't know that the lines are there. And that's just kind of a thing. We're you know, changing radio, whatever was happening. I don't even know if we said anything like that. But uh, um, early on, they were able to determine that there was no inebriation in the equation. And so... And so, Good. that should have been the end of it. Yeah. But, uh, would you mind stepping out of the car, please, sir? So now Q has to get out of the car. So what do I do? I go into panic mode, and I pull out my phone. But I don't record it, because they're going to do whatever they're going to do to Q. I know they're going to do it to me. So I go to Facebook Live. The problem is that I can't see Q out the back of the car, because those police lights are so bright. So I'm just filming and my phone is about to die because we were jamming the outcast all through the you know the south and we were like just you know that's just kind of our Road thing. trip yeah. yeah man we were yeah. on our level so um so what happens is uh you know just like i predicted the officer comes back to the car and asks for my id now i'm still on facebook live and now i have a good number of folks that have been able to see Oh, there's police sirens and remember the climate in the country at the time and remember what time it was yeah it's yeah. Early, it's, it's late at night um so it's it's real early out here in, in phoenix no even early. here it was late though that's what made it even more scary like right. if it's three there it's midnight here one o'clock here okay something like that yeah okay. so 
there's hundreds of people looking at this. Yeah, everybody's happen. up, so yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the last thing that happens is he gives me back my ID and he says, can you step out of the car, please? And I'm like, uh. And then my phone dies. So everybody that's watching that, now they're, these people are crying. These yeah. people are t- t- calling, calling, calling. Terrified. You yeah. know, um, all of my friends, every my family, everyone was so worried. And that, so that speaks to that helplessness that you experience oh, yeah. when you there's nothing you can do because you're on the other side of a phone call. Anyway, um, they pull us out of the car. And I'm giving you the quick and dirty version of the, the story. But once they pull us out of the car, they say, can we um, search the vehicle? And we say, yes, please search the vehicle because, A, we're not moving a house full of stuff like, right. like the gentleman was in Arkansas. It's a brand new car, so there's nothing to search. I think we might have had a backpack each. And we don't want to start an adversarial Absolutely relationship with a highway patrol officer and a and state a trooper or a sheriff yeah. at three o'clock in the morning in Mississippi. Sure. And y'all are from out of state. Boom. So, so yeah, we know our rights, but no, we're trying to get home yeah, to our babies. We would rather not upset you right now. Well, I mean, here, here's the thing with rights. I mean, knowing your rights and being able to live to make this case can be two different things. Yes. What? In that situation, it's you, it's the cops. And there's nobody else. Sir, you can search the car, my shoes, my bag, <laughs> this hat I have on, my pockets, what you need. <laughs> Listen, man, I got the, it The all. spare tire compartment, <laughs> look at my ears. <laughs> because this is a hybrid, there's a compartment that you might not know about. You can check that. If you look under there, it's right there, sir. We got some unopened waters. Yes, yourself. please. <laughs> so listen, so what they do is they get the dog. And, you know, they, um, after they, he gives the flashlight and does the whole thing, they get the dog. So we're waiting out on the side of the road terrified i'm terrified q is fortunately playing a little cooler because he had a little bit more information than i did because he was out talking to the officers already but i was terrified because why in the world do i need to get out of the car and i challenged them later i was like you know if q was a 65 year old privileged corporate executive driving the same car and i was his you know wife a 45 year old white uh female blonde hair blue eyed would we be standing on the side of the road for two and a half hours 45 minutes dogs ago. to search the car you know or would the story have gone any different and that was my charge to them. anyway they bring the dogs out and you wouldn't believe me if i told you uh so yeah the the dog indicated the president's uh the the presence of uh of narcotics in the car so we're gonna have to do a full search of the vehicle whoa okay we just got the car yesterday and we and then uh, long story short the the dog searches the car um and and then he searches the car he searches thoroughly. the car puts the, puts the blue gloves on yep. goes through and everything like that and then um what he told us was that um you know if the dog's nose is so sensitive that if somebody had a joint in their pocket and brushed and up, against up against the car. the car or brushed against the car in a grocery store parking lot and remember, we're driving down the highway at right. 75, 80 miles right. an hour across states, plural, um, since the last time we stopped because, you know, those things are pretty good on gas. It was a hybrid. Yeah. So, um, but it just seems so, so, like, such a reach. And, it, and that's where I, my, you know, black folks have historically had a deep distrust of the whole judicial system, the political system, and well, of course, it's, policing it's a system. Whole, I mean, we could do a whole show on the history behind Oh, that, yeah, so, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. But um, it was, 
So it wasn't a surprise, but it was kind of reaffirmed in our interaction that, okay, you just made that up. That doesn't, that doesn't even make any sense. First off, no one leaned against the car. It was on a car lot. And then we had it and we've been with it ever since. And no one we've been around even does that. We, there's no way, you know, and someone, le the, the un how likely is it that someone leaned against this car in a grocery store parking lot with a joint in their pocket and then the smell stayed on the fender i mean that, is, that is some high to where a weed. or whatever <laughs> right so it just it's so outlandish and outrageous that it, it again further at least told me that my the mistrust that i have of I, mistrust is too strong a word i don't want to i don't want this to yeah, to, to, to really believe at face value yeah. what, what an officer says to me, especially if it sounds a little, just, uh, it doesn't really sound feasible. I kind of know what I'm looking at when I'm looking at it. And in that instance in particular, I don't believe it was a black and white thing as much as it was a policing of black people thing. Because the officer, I want to be fair, the officer, what we found out later was, uh, he might have been half black. Maybe. Both of those guys were black, um, and the, the 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 reason why that's such a massive reveal is once again we were in Mississippi. This is a sheriff and a state trooper. It's three o'clock in the morning, and in Mississippi, the Mississippi draw <laughs> sounds like the Mississippi draw. It doesn't respect your race. Yeah, it's so yeah, heavy. Oh, yeah, so yeah, before yeah. we can see them, because remember flashlights and the big bright light on the police vehicle, we can't see. We can just hear. Yeah. So what Ramses spoke to before, there was some relief on my part because when I got out of the car and looked and saw someone that looks like you, I didn't think I was going to die anymore. But that doesn't mean we're out of the woods at all. Right. You know, just OK, maybe it's not as as mission critical as we once thought. Um, so, again, if you're just tuning in to Civic Cypher, I'm your host, Ramses Jock. They call me Q Ward. And uh, our guest today, Patrick C. Brown, um, a uh, member of the NAACP uh, Political Action Committee. Um, and I do want to talk about these voter suppression initiatives. Um, so real quick, let's let's frame what that is. OK, so let, let's let's talk about I mean, voting, voting has had a very interesting history in our country. And, you know, I guess the frame it, I, I want to take us back to, to the start, you know, to the, the founding of America. So when you go back to, you know, George Washington, you know, the, the, that era of time, not everybody could vote. So our, our country has never been all in on democracy and on, you know, voting, which is, you know, the, I, you could say the essence of democracy. And so in or, originally to vote, you had to be a white male and you had to own land. land yeah. So you can think, you know, if you're not a white male and you don't own land, then you don't vote. Now, we can fast forward, you know, through, through the years and eventually, you know, all white men could vote. And then, you know, we said, OK, you know, you don't have to own you know, land, things like that. Eventually, you know, women would get the vote. Of course, that wouldn't be until like the 1920s. Actually, you know, African-American men would get the vote before any women for the Native American community. And so as you can, you know, as you go through this, you can see that voting has always been an issue. Now, here's a, here's what is so crazy about voting. <clears throat> we we live in a country where we desperately want people to be involved in their their communities in politics, things like that. But we also make it so difficult to do. 
But what's even worse is we gaslight and we tell people, you know, your vote matters, voting is important, but then we tell them like, you know, but then, you know, we say, you know, the vote is so important, but we make it very, very difficult to, to actually do. And so what we're seeing basically post the 2020 election is that, you know, one, one political party, y'all probably know what I'm talking about, the Republican Party, is, and this is not just Arizona, it's across the country, you know, Georgia, Kansas just passed some crazy stuff, but we'll talk just about Arizona, is that with this election, they're now trying to change the game. And so a couple, couple of items, like I said, this, like I said, this could be a whole show on its own, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it pretty simple here. In Arizona, we have had, we've enjoyed mail-in ballots. And now the acronym is uh, PEVL. That's, you may have heard that, but it's, it's mail-in ballot. And we've had that since like about, the, the, about 96. And so it's pretty straightforward. You sign up on the permanent early voting list. That's what PEVL stands for. And basically you get a ballot for every election. As long as you, you know, don't move and don't update your, your information. If you, you know, if you move and you update your information, your ballot will find you. And this is for federal elections, state elections, local elections, all that. And it's worked really well because about 80% of the folks in Arizona love Pebble. And this is like across party lines. Everybody likes having that convenience because you can sit at home. You can fill out your ballot. You can pop it in the mail. You can take it to, you know, the voting center. You can take it to, you know, the county recorder's office, pop in, in their Dropbox, and you're good. A lot, in the last couple of years, technology is even better. You get a little text message when your ballot goes out. Once you fill out your ballot, you know, it gets received a text message. Hey, we've got your ballot. Your vote has been captured. All these great things. But what's interesting now is suddenly... Folks are having issues, or I'll say the Republicans are having issues with mail vote by mail. And so we're the first thing we're seeing is we're seeing a bill that wants to take the permanent out of permanent early voting list. So how if, now the bill is, and I'll have to pull up my cheat sheet here. The bill is, I want to say it is SB uh, fourteen eighty five and. If y'all on Google, if, you, if I'm wrong, you guys will, I'm sure we'll let Ramsey's know, and I apologize. But, it's okay. But like I said, I just want to get to the heart of the information. So with this is how this would work is if this bill passes, and it's currently floating around in the state legislature. So as of today, I believe that it it, it was supposed to go up for a floor vote in the House today. Uh, a couple amendments were, were, were to be added to the bill. And so ultimately what, what happened is that that bill is going to be pushed to next week. So because they broke in for, you know, because it's a good Friday, they're not going to do anything. But with Pebble, what happens is, is that if you don't utilize your mail-in ballot, meaning if you receive your ballot and you do not mail it back, then you can be removed from the list. Mm-hmm. And so now people may think that's not a big deal, but what a lot of people do is their ballots come to their home. They fill out their ballot. They take it and drop it off at the polling place on election day or a couple of days out. Or they'll take it to the county recorder. So if you do that, you could then lose being off a of pebble. And what's really scary about this is people may not realize this until it's too late. Sure. And why this is, I think, a big, this is really going to impact negatively you know, black and brown communities is that we already have an issue with having enough polling places or enough working equipment. Now, I, w- I want to you know, be fair that in pe- previous elections, We've been fortunate that there's been a good sense of equity. But you know what? If you have a lot of people voting, it's going to be lines and all things goes with it. 
So now, if you don't use that, you likely you may not vote. And you may not even know that, you know, you've been kicked off the list. And this is just one. Oh, this is, yeah. There's, there's, there's many. There's many, yes. Um, so here's the thing that I think it's important that helps frame this, and that's that um, people need to understand that the less votes or the less voting that actually takes place, the more it favors the Republican Party, historically speaking. And so the Republicans have an interest in suppressing votes across the board because the less people that vote the more people that vote the more we're a democratic leaning country it's just the voting system favors republican right and and, and and when it comes down to it is you know in the here and now republicans win or they do better when the electorate is as small as possible boom so you know I, you could say common sense would be if people aren't voting for you that means they don't like your ideas they don't like your policies so it would make sense to then adjust what the people want. Instead, they're going the opposite direction saying, no, what we're going to do is we're going to shrink that down. Mm-hmm. And so that means people of color, the elderly, mm-hmm. the, the folks who are disabled, mm-hmm. all the people who benefit this are now going to not vote. So, um, and because this is just one example of this, and there are many others, um, I want to talk about what folks can do to challenges to combat this uh, where can they go where's there more information how can folks keep up with you support you follow you sure and you know the much larger uh, movement okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna give a shout out to a really great organization because i think this is probably the easiest for for y'all listening there's a group called progress arizona i'm working with those guys they're amazing they they're in the trenches every day with this stuff i mean they're at the capitol uh i would follow progress arizona uh they're on instagram they're on facebook they're on twitter and they also you know they put this stuff out they're also on youtube the youtube channel is really great because they do a they do a, a quick like two minute video of all the things happening in the legislature each week very digestible now as for these type of bills because of where we're at you need to contact your state legislator. Mm. You need to call that person up. Now, if you don't know who it is, I'll just go to azledge.org. And then at that point, you just need to type in your information. I'll tell you, you know, who's, who's representing, who's you. representing you. Call that person, email that person. Because at this point, now they're getting to the stage where the vote's going to happen. All right. So this will become especially um, useful to black folks if you are a non-black person uh, uh, an ally to black people because in those spaces perhaps your voice may carry a little bit more weight and so if you've been wondering what more can you do to support your african-american brothers and sisters your latino brothers and sisters there's an opportunity here for you to reach out to your legislator um and uh and take action against these voter suppression initiatives. Um, but that's about all the time we have for this week. Once again, want to thank you for tuning in to Civic Cipher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. They call me Q Ward. Um, be sure to hit the website, uh, civiccipher.com, to download this and any previous shows. Um, please submit topics, anything you want us to discuss. Follow our social media at Civic Cipher, and don't forget to donate um, if you can. And until next week, y'all, peace. peace.